Mr. Kirk Spinker, uh, Mr. Kirk Atemir. He's the CEO of um, a language company called AA Global Language Services, uh, which was which started 27 years ago, as you said, in Worcester, and um, recently opened a new seat uh, here in Hull <coughs> a couple of years ago. And uh, as you know, we, we, we are always trying to bridge the gap training and the demands of the um, professional world. And well, we really want to thank Kirk for agreeing to give you that perspective for, from the other side of the, the business, for the employees. Okay? Uh, so, no thank, you thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thank you for that further. And, uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, I'm really happy to be here in front of you youngsters. It's been a long time since I was sitting in those chairs, so I'm now here, and it's been a really long time, I can tell you. Um, what I've been um, asked to do today is really to give you a bit of an insight when you come to applying for jobs. Now, I'm guessing, we can have a show of hands if you like, I'm guessing that most of you are going into sort of freelance translators roles of some kind when you, when you leave here. Is that right? Who's, who's going to be, yeah, nodding, yeah? Um, doesn't matter what you're going for. When you go out to the real world, you're going to find a lot of people looking like me, okay? Ties, boring suits, business, yeah? And, and unfortunately, that's the kind of requirements in that world. Believe me, I wish I was in this world again, but I'm not. I haven't been in this world a long time. So I, I put on my suit and I put my, my tie on specially today to set the expectancy level, really, when you're ready to, to, to go out and approach people like me or companies like ours and say, come on, give us a job. Yeah? And, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about here. I'm going to start with... Um, few minutes, just a couple of minutes of information on AA Global, you know, who we are, what we do. I mean, as you know, we are a translation agency. That's our, that's our business. Um, I think, for as I said, we've been in business for 27 years, so I would say that AA Global is a well-established company. We have, I think, at the moment, we're dealing in 280 languages. We have a nationwide coverage. Uh, of translators and interpreters dotted around the country and the rest of the world doing translations and interpreting for us every day, every hour, literally 24 hours a day. Uh, we have two offices in, in the UK and we have an office in Istanbul that looks after the Middle Eastern business. We have clients from, you'll see in the next um, slide I think, we have clients from both the private and the public sector and at the moment, we are working with over 4,500 translators and interpreters, just like you guys. Now, that is a cross-selection of our, our clients. I put only a few there to, to give you an idea of sort of the, the, the divide between the public sector and the private sector. You see um, names like Toyota, Tesco, Nokia, uh, Ford, global brands. Um, and, and you also see local government, councils, um, health organizations like the NHS, etc. 
So AI Global deals with a, a very wide range of um, subjects or jobs, let's say, day in, day out. So what we're going to do today is about you. How do you get into this business or any business offering your services as a linguist, as a translator or an interpreter? Whether it's with a translation agency or, or I don't know, an import-export business or whatever that is going to require your skills. This is what I want to talk about. Obviously, I will talk about my business. As a translation agency's chief executive, I see CVs, I see applications coming to me every day. For a long time now, we have not advertised for translators. Maybe five or six years. Because we have so many people every day approaching us. I get something like 20 emails every day to my personal email. But our company's InfoX email receives something like 100 every day. So it's tough out there. There's a lot of people wanting jobs. Okay? So when you're, when you're ready to leave here and go out to the big world, yeah? What do you do? Yeah? How do you get in? I think first of all you need to know what you want. Okay? Like I said at the beginning, I said, do you want, you know, do you want to go to translation, interpreting, do you want to go to I don't know, international media, whatever you want to do? The world is your oyster. And I know you won't believe me, but it is. Okay? So you really need to know what you want. Let's say, for the argument's sake today, that you want to become a translator and approach companies like ours so that you can get jobs from them on freelance basis, yeah? And let me tell you something like that. It's actually a good job, so I would recommend it, okay? Um, so let's say you want to do that. The next thing you should say to yourself, am I ready for it? Now you may say, hang on, hang on, I graduated, of course I'm ready. Now you have to be ready to approach people. You can't just say, well, I graduated now, I got my diploma, look at that, I, I got a degree here. Yeah? They're not going to come and say to you, oh, well, you got your degree now, we heard. Here is a job. Yeah? They're not going to do that for you. So, make sure that you're ready with the right attitude, the right tools. The, the right tools being what? If I was setting out as a carpenter, I'd at least need a good saw to start with, maybe I have one. So what are your tools? I suppose at the minimum a, a decent laptop, so you can use Word on it, yeah? MS Office helps, okay? And then maybe later on you may think about translation tools like Trados, etc. But you need to have, I'm not saying you must have the best laptop or the best software, that costs money. And don't fall into the trap of thinking, I'm not ready yet because I haven't got the best of it. Just make sure you've got something that you can rely on. It doesn't have to be the best or the most expensive, but get the right tools. It's no good approaching people and getting a job and you're not able to do it because you haven't got the right tools. That's why that's important. The right attitude. What's the right attitude then? Well, you all want a job, don't you? You all want money, yeah? You all want a job, nice car, 
pounds, holidays, that kind of stuff, yeah? So you have to make those people like me, in the suit, yeah? Those people must like you to choose you out of the hundred that they're receiving. You know the hundred CVs they're receiving every day? Yours must be the one that they actually go for. And for that, you have to have the right attitude. Right attitude is a positive one. Yeah? Trusting yourselves, first of all, because when you graduated, believe it or not, you've succeeded. You've done something good. So, believe in yourself. Have the confidence. Yeah? I'm seeing some people sort of looking positively. Some people are like, mm -hmm. yeah. So, have the right attitude. Positive. Willingness goes a long way, yeah? When someone says something, say you've got to that interview and you get asked questions, if there's negative feelings coming towards the applicant, to the man in the suit, you're probably not going to score that many points, yeah? So it's, it's a really good attitude, really smiley face and positive and confident. That's what we like. Not cocky though, okay? You know what I mean by that. There's a distance. There's a difference between being really positive and confident and giving the wrong vibes to the employer. I'm sure you guys know that. So right attitude is really important. Another thing is, if you are going for a, 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 a freelance job, you really must have discipline. Now. How many of you worked in a place, even if it's work experience, in an office, for example? Hands up. One, two, three, four. Yeah? So, you have some idea about what to expect in an office. Nine till five, you turn up, desk, whatever, yeah? There's a discipline there, okay? When you're a freelancer, you have to set that discipline. It's no good getting a job, and this has happened to me a few times. I gave someone a job, saying, right, can you deliver on Monday? Oh, yes, of course, no problem. Monday morning, we'll be there for you. And then you chase them on Monday to find out that they actually went shopping on Friday because there was a sale on it. Then it was. And, yeah, it, it has happened. Yeah? So the discipline, it's very easy when you're on your own, when you're a freelancer, to say, oh, there's a party tonight. I'm just going to, you know, my, my mate's birthday. And then you have a few too many, yeah? You waste the next day nursing your headache. It happens. Maybe not to you guys because you're all very good, I'm sure. But you've got to have the discipline. When you get a job on, you're not going to have that boss in your room to say to you, right, have you started on that? How is it going? It's up to you. You have to deliver it. That's what the freelance translators do. And believe me, the pay is pretty good. But you have to have the discipline. One thing that I always say to people is that I was a freelance translator before I started the company. And I used to work from the kitchen table in my house. And I had children, I had two young children, they're older than you now. But I had two young children and I used to always put some smart trousers and a shirt even though I was in my own house when I went to work, and I was always at that desk at 9 o'clock, because my work started at 9 o'clock. And even if I was having a quiet day, 
I didn't go and sit in the lounge watching television. I was at that desk waiting for the form to reply. Yeah. That's the kind of discipline that you've got to have if you're going to be a freelancer. Yeah. But like I said, the rewards are very good because you're free to do whatever you like within reason once you've got that discipline. You can decide to work until 11 o'clock at night but take half of next day in the week to go and do your shopping or play golf, whatever you want to do, as long as you have that discipline. Yeah? So it's a good little freedom that it offers you. So discipline is very important. The right environment is also important as well. You have to think when you're first going out and approaching these companies to become a translator, if they give you jobs and if you're house sharing, for example, and you've got some really noisy housemates. Or you're in a place, I don't know, I mean, it doesn't happen in England that much, but, you know, the, the power keeps going off, etc. All these must be right. The environment must be right for you. Yeah? So think about all these. And when you're ready, think about your market. Because you have to make a lot of applications, you have to send a lot of applications before you start getting those jobs in. Yeah? So who's, who's out there? Who's, who's, who are you going to be approaching? That's the companies like ours. It's easy these days, you go on the internet. Or the university might have some uh, references, etc. So find out who you should approach. Make a good discipline list, you know, going back to the other page. Discipline, yeah? Make yourself a target list and then start shooting your applications to those people. And also know what's happening. Now, here you're actually learning about the industry, you're actually learning about the techniques, the technology, yeah? So know about what's out there, what sort of tools, you know, we were talking about the tools. So, so find out what you need, what's, 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 the, what's the latest thing. It's no good approaching someone and if you didn't have a clue about what's going on, when you start talking to them, you won't give them the right vibes again. It just goes back to that. Yeah? It's important as a freelancer to know what sort of rates you should be getting. Now, there are loads of rates out there. Who knows about rate, translation rates? Hands up. Nobody. So if I offered you a pound for a couple of hours' work, would that be okay? Yeah. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, she says. I want you in my business tomorrow. <laughs> so you've got to know, I mean, are you going to be asking for 50 pounds per thousand work? Are you going to be asking for 150 pounds per thousand work? If you didn't know, and when someone starts talking to you, they may either take advantage of you, and there are those, we don't do that, of course. But there are those, yeah? Or you might be selling yourself too cheap. So if you should really go for 50 pounds per thousand words, and you said 20, are you selling yourself too cheap? Yeah? You're, you're, you're a skilled person, you're a professional. So you really should know. And again, you can find that out quite easily. Today you've got the resources to do the research, yeah? Go on there, find out what the going rate is. And a little tip from me, when you're setting out first in this business, don't set yourself at the highest at that rate. 
set yourself at quite a low starting point because you will need the experience, you will need those jobs coming. Okay? So, you can now start approaching those people. And this is where the fun starts. And remember to be flexible, especially about the rates, but also about expectations. Don't just say, no, no, this is definitely what I'm going to do, it's what I'm not going to do. If you do that, it's fine. Principles are principles. But you may be narrowing your options. So be open, be, be flexible. If someone says, ah, how about this? Consider it. Yeah? So, right here, let's stop. Because I'm now, next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to show you some stuff. But right up to here, is there any questions? Doing rates? Yes. You, it's the most you, important thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you as an agency have set rates for different languages? I, mean, I presume it would be different for according to the language as well. Good question, yes. The answer is yes, but you should also know what the, uh, the national or international levels are. Um, most agencies will have their rates. They'll say, look, for French we pay this, for Vietnamese we pay that. So there's obviously differences between them, yeah? So there are some really rare languages where the price goes up, there are some languages where, where, where it's quite so mundane. Um, most companies will tell you, this is what we pay. Now, a little tip again, it doesn't mean to say you have to accept that, okay? They may say, this is what we pay, we won't pay anything else. You can negotiate. You see, this is what I'm saying is business. Yeah? If you think that what they are saying to you is reasonable, take it. And you know, be grateful, thank you very much. Got another job. Yeah? And it depends on many things. When you when you're out there and when you're going through these things, you will get to know there's so many factors. Is it a one-off? Are they offering you something that will be, you know, I mean we, we have people doing translations for us. Every morning, for example, a news bulletin comes from Japan. They have, it's great. So you know you have a couple of hours work guaranteed to you when you start in the morning. Or every week, or every, every three weeks, whatever. Yeah? If it's a long, ongoing, or if it's a really high volume, so if someone comes to you and says this is a thousand words, or this is hundred and fifty thousand words, see that may have an effect on the rate that you're going to agree. So if it's obviously something that there's going to be loads of that and it's ongoing, you can actually go a little lower with your rates just to take that. And the businesses will accept it, will understand that. Fine, I will sort of give you a lower rate on this, but when it's a one-off job, etc., I will not push you because I know and you know what the rate is. Yeah. Good question. Thank you for that. Any other questions? Yeah. Let me see if I can move on to this. You know those handouts you have? What I want to show you are a few examples of applications that we get. Now, 
this is really, to me, this is probably the most expensive, uh, uh, sorry, most important thing. And it can work out to be quite an expensive mistake if you didn't know the importance of it, if you didn't understand how important this bit is. Now, I know that you will all have CVs. You'll have a nice CV, I'm sure, to tell them about your qualifications and your employment history, your hobbies, and, and how good you are, how, how disciplined, and how organized, and how conscientious, and how such a team work, how, how, how you can work on your initiative as well as this and that. Yeah? The CV will be there. And I'm sure it will be a good one. And there are problems with the CV. If anything on the CV, I will say that try to make it short rather than too long. Don't tell them everything you did in every job or every you know college and every university, every course and all your you know tracking and stamp collection, whatever. Don't, yeah. Make it short. I think it should be maximum two pages, but I advise it to be just one page, okay. And the first bit, when you are doing all that, how good you are, make that quite short. A lot of people will not read that. Do you know why they won't read that bit? Because we know from those hundreds and hundreds of CVs that we, we receive every day, every week, you're not going to put anything there saying, I'm so bad at something. I'm really rubbish at this. Well, you're not going to say that, are you? You're going to say how good you are. So that bit, the top bit, the personal profile, whatever you... Still put it in there, you know, okay, fine, but a lot of people won't read that bit. So make your CV short. But in all honesty, CV is a secondary thing. Yeah? What is going to get you the interview is what you put on your email, the application letter. 